You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. We turn again, as we have done often in the recent past, to the book of Philemon. And today we want to consider the situation and the letter of Philemon from the perspective of the one whom it's about, the man Onesimus, the one that Paul himself, who loved him as a son, said he was pretty useless, but now he's not. And so we studied about Paul, all the things Paul did to help this brother out, this great direct appeal made uh, in uh, from prison by one that was reminding Philemon that he was in prison as an old man. He said, if you'd be my colleague, if you'd be my partner, if you have any fellowship with us, please take him in. The involving of the Colossian brethren in Colossians 4, telling those good brethren that this is one of your own. He's a beloved brother and uh, help him out. Also, if you need to know anything about me, ask him so that there'd be many people going to look after him and to talk to him. And then we studied about Philemon, how it would be expected in that culture and expected by his other uh, friends and neighbors and colleagues who owned slaves, that you would make an example of this man. You wouldn't put up with this, especially after he pretty obviously had stolen on the way out, by the way, which Paul had said, if he owes you anything, which so obviously he did, he said, just charge it to me. But Philemon, he's going to be asked to receive back this former useless slave as a dear, beloved brother. And now, though, we want to think about the beloved brother, Onesimus, a man who didn't want to live at Philemon's house, didn't want to continue as his servant, as his slave. He ran away. He made it as far as Rome. And now... Under the influence of the gospel, and you think about what's in the gospel, freedom, right? Freedom, Christ has set us free. In the influence of the gospel, and under the primary and most notable practitioner of this Christian religion in the whole Roman Empire, the Apostle Paul, he became acquainted with him, close to him, converted by him, and at some point along the way, his dear friend, like a father to him, the Apostle Paul says, you need to go back home. <laughs> what now? That place? Don't you know? I, I'm a runaway slave. You know what that means, right? You, you know where, the, where does the story of the runaway slave start? You want me to go back to there? And you want me to go back to that? Do you know what he could do to me? Do you know what that man could do to me? Let me ask you, have you ever been fully in the hands of brethren where in some way they decided your fate? As a preacher, you know, you're always in the hands of brethren to some degree. They determine your fate in regards to, uh, you know, your employment. Uh, or, or you can have a meeting here or not. Or you think about, oh, the brethren, hey, good news. Good news, Matt, the brethren this week, the business meeting, we're going to talk about you. Don't worry, it'll be okay. We're brethren here. It'll all be fine. Doug, next month we'll talk about you. 
Would you like to be in the hands of the brethren to that degree? And well, what could the brethren do to us? Well, we've seen what brethren have done to one another. And have we, have we all been uh, subject to the tender mercies of the brethren? And sometimes what happens, they've been tender mercies. Have the brethren treated us better than they, we could have ever hoped or expected? But other times, haven't the brethren sort of let us down? And the one who we were hoping would be so good to us and kind to us was not, was callous or cold? Well, Onesimus, I need to tell you, friend, my beloved son in the faith, my new convert here in jail, I'm going to need to send you back. Imagine Onesimus receiving that instruction. So we have again what Paul told Philemon. Because Paul couldn't be with Philemon. Paul had to deal with this in a letter, so we get one side of this. Paul didn't have to write down what he told Onesimus, did he? Because where was Onesimus? Right there at hand. Probably in several of these conversations, right there in his arms, with his arms around his neck, with uh, a clasped hand, shared tears and prayer, right there in the room. So, no, we don't, we don't get to hear what Paul said to Onesimus to convince him to go back and to explain to him that this is what's necessary. But I think we should think about that as we, yet again, I think we'll do this uh, as we've done before. Just read, because it's not that long. Half a page letter, maybe a page. And I'm going to read this, not from one of the standard translations, but this time from a paraphrase by a guy named Peterson. And there's one or two phrases in here that are going to claim funny, and you're going to go, oh, that's why we don't use those paraphrases. But there's so much of this that I think is spot on. I think a couple of clanker phrases, uh, and, and not quite, are, are, are worth passing through to get to the rest. So this is Peterson's paraphrase of the letter Philemon. I, Paul, am a prisoner for the sake of Christ. Here with my brother Timothy. I write this letter to you, Philemon, my good friend and companion in this work, and also to our sister Ophia and Archippus, a real trooper. Okay, that's one of the ones where it's like, what? A fellow soldier, the standard translation said. And to the church that meets in your house, God's best to you. Christ's blessings on you. Every time your name comes up in my prayers, I say, oh, thank you, God. For I keep hearing of the love and faith that you have for the Master Jesus, which brims over to other believers. And I keep praying that this faith we hold in common keeps showing up in the good things that we do. And the people recognize Christ in all of it. Friend, you have no idea how good your love makes me feel. Doubly so when I see your hospitality to fellow believers. In line with this, I have a favor to ask of you. As Christ's ambassador and now a prisoner for him, I wouldn't hesitate to command this if I thought it was necessary, but I'd rather make a personal request. While here in jail, I fathered a child, so to speak. And here he is, pen carrying this letter to you. Onesimus. He was useless to you before, and now he's useful both, to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, but it feels like I'm cutting off my right arm in doing so. I wanted in the worst way to keep him here, as you stand in, to help out while I'm in jail for the message. But I didn't want to do anything behind your back, make you do a good deed that you hadn't willingly agreed to. Maybe it's all for the best that you lost him for a while, and you're getting him back now for good. 
and no mere slave this time, but a true Christian brother. That's what he was to me, and he'll be even more so to you. So if you still consider me a comrade in arms, welcome me back as you would me. If he damaged anything or owes you anything, chalk it up to my account. This is my personal signature, Paul. I'll stand behind it. I don't need to remind you, do I, that you owe me your very life, do you? Do me this big favor, friend. You'll be doing it for Christ, but it will also do my heart good. I know you well enough to know you will. You'll probably go far beyond what I've written. And by the way, get a room ready for me. Because of your prayers, I fully expect to be your guest again. Epaphras, my cellmate in the cause of Christ, says hello. Also my co-worker Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke. And all the best to you from the Master, Jesus Christ. In that paraphrase, there might be a number of little quibbles about how he takes things. But I think that gets the spirit largely. This is a great and friendly letter from Paul. Doing his best to have a positive influence on Philemon. Again, in the benefit and for the benefit of Onesimus. And I suppose if you ever had to go back to slavery, it'd be nice to have that letter in your pocket, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to be sent back to a man like Philemon. I do note that this is a kingdom solution. This is not how things would have been handled in the Old Testament at all. In the Old Testament, you know, it's not near as friendly to slavery as the modern critics pretend that it is. There's a few passages about slaves in the Old Testament and just the general knowledge that there was slavery. But if you look at the details and some of the regulations about slavery, it's not near as friendly to the slave owner and against the slave as people think. Deuteronomy 23 has this provision. It says, you should not hand over to his master a slave who escaped from his master to you. He shall live with you in your midst, in the place where he chooses, in one of your towns, where it pleases him. You will not mistreat him. In Deuteronomy, here are runaway slaves that are not to be sent back to their masters. You kind of wonder, well, under that kind of system, what kind of slavery is that? Well, one with some regulations. Uh, there's considerable controversy in that passage as to what the scope of the application was was not only of the slaves of the Philistines and the slaves of the nations round about who fled to Israel for refuge and don't send them back to those pagans or did this apply to the slaves inside of Israel too? Is that what it means by they come to you? Or does it mean the slave who came to you from his neighbor's house? Where, where the Jews in their commentaries had a lot of of uh, discussions of what the application here exactly was. But here are slaves that were not returned to their masters. Or even if you were a slave, Exodus 21, 2. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve you for six years. But on the seventh, he will go free. He will go free without payment. Or Leviticus 25. If he is not redeemed by these means, he shall still go out in the year of Jubilee. He and his sons with him. For the sons of Israel are my servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. There's a number of occasions where the regulations regarding slaves 
where they are tempered and where they limit what the slave owner can do, what the master can do. It's brought up that this is a nation that was enslaved and we're going to treat slaves better than we were treated. And so the old law, would the old law have even sent the man back? But as Paul's in the Roman jail and Philemon there in either Colossae or Laodicea, somewhere there in the Lycus River Valley of southwestern Asia, as we know for sure, that's not the land of Israel under the land of Moses, is it? Under the law. They're not under the law of Moses in this situation. And so the law of Moses and its regulations didn't apply, but rather Roman law did. And as we see with the appeal of Paul, something more important, a kingdom spirit. The kingdom law applied. This is a solution of the kingdom of God among men. This is not how the law of Moses handled it, and this is not how the Romans handled it. And so there is no command or force given. What command did Paul give to Philemon? I think the only thing that's imperative, isn't it, is to get the room ready. Everything else is a request. Everything else is a please. Everything else is an appeal. Verse 8, he said, I have confidence in Christ to order you. But verse 9 says, but for love's sake, I rather appeal. And verse 10, I appeal to you for Onesimus. And verse 13, I would have liked to have kept him. But without your consent, verse 14, I wouldn't do anything. There's no browbeating, commanding, threatening, or intimidation of Philemon. We've made this point clear. But do you think there was browbeating? Do you think there was threatening? Do you think there was intimidation then placed on Onesimus? Can you imagine? I can't. And so no, it's not command. It's not forced. But by what court order would you have asked for these things to be done? Can, can you imagine a court order that would say for these things to be done? A court order for, uh, yeah, maybe from the Roman court for Onesimus to go back, but a court order for Philemon to receive him this way? You know, what happens when people are ordered to do things they don't like? There's resentment, often long-term, deep, bitter, seething resentment. And I have to wonder about sometimes where a corporation has said, you know, or a group or whatever, the people who received the writ of the court, you must do this for these people. When those people get there to be, have that thing done for them, how's it done? In the spirit of generosity? No. It's done begrudgingly. It's done with small ways always to undermine the intent of the court because the people never agree. That's not how this is portrayed. That's not how this is taken. Uh, I think about it, you know, maybe just because my parents are visiting this weekend, but I think about from time to time when instructions were given to one of us siblings, I won't say which one, when instructions were given to one of the siblings to do a certain thing for one of the other siblings. And in what spirit what was that done? With grace? With full-heartedness? Or, or, or was there one of the other siblings the one who received the order to their benefit going, you gotta do it. Mom said so. I mean, can you imagine Philemon waltzing back into this house? Or excuse me, Onesimus waltzing back into this house. Hey, you gotta take me back. Paul said so. 
You better duck. I wouldn't test believe his patience that way, even though he might be a real patient man. Or can you imagine Philemon speaking to Onesimus? You gotta stay here. Paul said so. I can't imagine any of that kind of spirit. None of that is the kingdom spirit. That is not how the kingdom of God operates. Intimidation and force and coercion. Those are not the coins of this realm, are they? Graciousness and kindness and love are the coins of this realm. And so as we think about what a difficult and emotional thing it must have been for Philemon to have received this letter. And we, because we can receive, we can read the letter, we can put ourselves in the place of, imagine that he got that. And he's standing in the hall, looking at that, and Onesimus is standing there. But also we think about Onesimus having been in the Roman jail with Paul. And you think, well, Roman jail, that's not a very favorable place to be. But I'd rather be there than back home where I ran away from. Then the guy that converts you says, no, you got to go back. And imagine those late night talks and those tears and those prayers. But the Apostle Paul is able to hopefully convince Philemon by this letter, as he is obviously convinced Onesimus by his presence. The fact that he's there already shows this, that he's convinced Philemon to buy into this. Then Paul buys into this, that love and trust and faith are the ways to live in this life. Go back to him and trust in the Lord that it will be all right. You have an appeal from an apostle, from love. I appeal to you for this one, my child, whom I've forgotten. And we think about in this letter that Paul calls him my son, whom I've begotten in prison, verse 10. He calls him my very heart. I'm sending you my very heart, verse 12. Or as that paraphrase says, it's like sending you my right arm. Paul calls him useful. He was useless to you then, but now he's useful to me and you. And he calls him his brother, no longer a slave, but a beloved brother. And he's already told the Colossian church, receive him as one of your own number. And so this is the new life of love and trust and faith. And we think about the blessings in Christ Onesimus had as he returned. I'm sure that is, you know, just mention slavery and a person returning to slavery. Much of the modern world would, would just immediately close their ears and reject it, cover their ears and start shouting, la, 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 la. We're not going to listen to a slave being returned to a master. What kind of evil people are you, you Christians? The world would say that to some of us today. But look at the blessings Onesimus found in Christ in doing this which the Apostle Paul has most likely convinced him to do, persuaded him to do, or maybe he decided on his own and said, hey, Paul, could you help me out? I, I need to go back, but how can, we, how can we make this good as possible? But one thing that happened when he went back is his legal status is fixed. We think about the plight, and it's, it's always with mixed emotion because so many times it's a plight that's been brought on by people's conscious will and conscious action. Well, we think about all the people who live in this country illegally. And there's a lot of things that the people who live in this country illegally, they, they get a bad deal. They get a bad deal a lot of ways because they're not legal. They're not legal. And so they get exploited by landlords because who are they going to complain to? 
They're illegal. They don't want the authorities to know they're here. They, they get robbed at higher rates than, than other people. They get assaulted to higher rates than other people. They get, uh, when they need to take out a loan, it's at much higher interest rates than other people. And just in all manner of ways, living illegally in this country is a terrible deal. But why do those people have to put up with it? Well, because of their legal status. Well, what was the legal status of a runaway slave in the Roman system? Well, they had an entire class of people in Rome, they had a title for them. They were called the Fugitivari, the people who hunted slaves. They had people whose, this was their life. This, was, this is how they lived a prosperous life, finding other people's runaway slaves. I think in First Timothy, when some of the modern translations use the, some of the old translations use the word kidnapper, some of the newer translations use the word uh, enslavers. I think these are the people that the Apostle Paul is counting with the, with the perjurers and with uh, the murderers and with all the other dregs of society. These people would have loved to have gotten a hold of a man like Odysseus. This is how they made their living. But by going back, he doesn't have to fear the state anymore. He doesn't have to fear living illegally anymore. His legal status is fixed because he is again in accord with the laws and by going back and especially going back with this letter going back with the support of the apostle paul the punishment that he had so richly deserved would have been averted can we picture onesimus going home to philemon and being punished with this letter in philemon's pocket this letter with paul in hand i can't imagine it and so the punishment is averted if he'd been caught by the fugitive or if he had been just one who returned home and kind of you know slinks in the back door and said uh hey uh Philemon, i'm back sorry i was gone uh hope you take it well uh just imagine uh the punishments what kind of punishments could and would and did the romans hand out to slaves all of us are old enough we've all seen spartacus we know why there were slave revolts we know how they treated those folks and with the apostle paul writing if he owes you anything charge it to my account i'll make it good i'm signing this with my own hand the apostle paul basically gave philemon a blank iou with his signature on it when he went home this way because that we're dealing with now three men involved in christ he went home with his debts paid and he didn't pay them, did he? And so he goes home to where he's legally protected. He goes home to where he's received. He goes home free of the debt that he would have run up. It seems very obvious that he stole, he stole from his master most likely as he left and certainly he owed him the the you know the back wages for the time he wasn't doing his work as he ought he certainly would have run up some bills and who knows what kind of damage and who knows what, what kind of bills or pilfering he had done in his useless life before and outside of christ but now those debts are clear and then we find he now in this house has newfound purpose. He now has a, 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 a reason in his own mind, not just for the fact I can work for this other fellow, 
But in his own mind, he had been given a rationale as to why he should get up every day and work hard. Like we talked about in our Bible class this morning about work and the importance of work. He's, his work has been given purpose. His work has been given blessing. His work has, has been said to have been noted and will always be noticed in Christ. As we turn to Colossians 3, we find it interesting that this is a letter he helped carry to the church because he and Tychicus come with it. Colossians 3.22, Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than men, knowing that from the Lord you've received the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. See, I don't think he was serving the Lord Christ very well. No, he wasn't a Christian. Definitely wasn't. He wasn't serving some greater purpose when he was laboring in Philemon's house before. He was like most people, just trying to survive it. What, do it probably as little as possible. Being noticed as little as possible. Trying to be just as comfortable as possible. Trying to be as obscure as possible. I bet if there was a comfortable place up in the attic to go hide out for a while where you could sit and rest, I bet you he knew where that place was and was there often. Right? Steve this morning in Bible class mentioned those guys. They clock into work and they don't see them again until it's time to clock out. Where'd they go? I don't know. But guys like that always seem to find each other and find the place to go hide out in the back. Well, no, that's not his purpose anymore. He's working for the Lord. He's working for the Lord. It's the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he does. And that without partiality. So then it tells the masters, give up threatening. I bet Philemon's happy he doesn't have to threaten this guy anymore. I bet he got tired of threatening this guy. Man, I got to deal with Onesimus again. But now he's a brother in Christ. He's a beloved brother. He's a friend to him as well as a servant. I bet you now he's going to be happy to talk to him. Aren't there some people on your job or in your family or in the church? Oh, I got to talk to him again. But then there's others. Oh, hey, he's coming again. We get to talk. And so think about the change of attitude because there's a good purpose. And there doesn't have to be this constant correction, this constant writing, this constant oversight because there's an appreciation for the work that's done, appreciation for the one for whom it's done, and there's a good spirit and a good attitude. If we took that kind of attitude that we were working for the Lord to our job, how would it change our job? Our boss might be appreciative too. He might be glad to see us if we live that way. And then, as we mentioned with this church in Philemon's house, Onesimus now gets to be a part of that. He used to be a part of that family of God. The family of God was meeting in his dwelling, and he wasn't a part of it. Of course, don't we know that sadness sometimes with some of our own family? No, no, we, we go to church and they don't come. And we love these things in the Lord and they don't. And there's an estrangement there. But now not here. Now not, not this man is Paul's son. This man who has been shown how to love the Lord and how to be devoted to the Lord. This man who is Paul's own heart. This man's here. He's in our church that meets in our house. He's, verse 16, he's not just a slave, he's a beloved brother 
especially to Paul, and even more so to Philemon. He's going to be with us forever. If you think about that, the blessing that's in Christ, that someone could be with you forever. I get to be with him for all eternity. There's some folks, man, that wouldn't be a blessing. Hey, good news, you get to be with him forever. Really? I thought there'd be a reprieve. I thought, I thought we could finally part ways. Couldn't we not? Could we not part ways for a little while? Then you can come back home? No. Here's a guy who is living in a way that you want to be with him forever. Because we're going to be together forever in the Lord. And so, yeah, I know he's returning back to slavery. But look at the blessing because he's doing it in Christ. With Christians. Facilitated by the, the, the great apostle and the one who preached the gospel to all mankind. Facilitated by him but the gospel of reconciliation taken to heart by now all three men the Roman slave owner, the, his useless slave, and the guy that used to be a rabbi persecuting the church, because they're all now together and one in Christ. These are the blessings that flow. But it's not just Philemon who received such blessings like this in Christ. I think we could easily say that all who are blessed in Christ have these very same things. Don't we have our legal status fixed? What was our status before? Sinner. Wasn't hard to judge that, was it? Because what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what if you're in Christ? Therefore, Romans 5, 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified. That's a legal term. We're counted as just, as innocent, as right. I know Satan doesn't like that. Revelation 12 and 10 says he accuses the brethren before God day and night. But he's thrown down. He's thrown out. God's not listening to that. We shouldn't either. If you're in Christ, your legal status has been fixed. You're no longer condemned, but you are now justified. And if you're justified, are you going to get punished? Think of the punishment that had been due us by the life that we led before and outside of Christ. As useless and rebellious as Onesimus had been to Philemon, so we were to God and to those round about when we didn't know Christ. But now, having been justified, it says in Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What punishment will the faithful receive? But if you think of our life before and outside of our life of faithfulness, what punishment have we rightly deserved? But that's not going to happen now because there's that gospel of reconciliation and the peace has been made and the debts have been paid off. What do we sing in the hymn? Jesus paid it all. What did Paul say? If he's done anything, charge it to me. And in effect, what did Jesus say? If they've done anything, charge it to me. He's the ransom for our sins. That's Mark 10 and 45. He's the ransom for many. Uh, Acts t uh, 20 and 28. Uh, he purchased us with his own blood. He got us out of that. Uh, the, some of the par uh, parables compared to a debtor's prison. We think about the, the Lord's prayer or the model prayer in Matthew 6. Forgive us our 
debts, as we forgive our debtors. And so this metaphor of sin as a debt is one in Scripture. It's not the only metaphor for sin, but it's certainly one that's there. But what debt of sin? What do we say to him? Making his the debt I owe. He made it his debt. This is where Luther said about this passage, we are all his omissimi, if we care to accept it. We're all like Onesimus, that somebody kind, that somebody merciful has taken our debt and charged it, as it were, to their account. And before and outside of Christ, what was our purpose? But now in Christ, what do we have? We have a purpose and a reason. We used to be like Onesimus, useless, but now we can be useful to many. C.T. Studd in a famous poem said, Only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done in Christ will last. Because why? Well, 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, we do things to the glory of God. Or Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Well, we've got a purpose. We've got good works to do. We have things to do. And Onesimus now, having been estranged from those people, even while he lived with them, from his master, who seemed like a good fellow, from Archippus, the, some kind of relative of Philemon, who was a minister, lived right there with them, and Aphia, the good sister. And these folks had a church in their house, and he was estranged from that as well. And now when Onesimus goes back, what did Paul say in the book of Colossians? He's one of you. And so now he has true family. I don't know what kind of family relationship slaves in the Roman Empire were able to keep. I don't know if some of his relatives were enslaved with him. Maybe he'd been born into that house. Uh, maybe he was related to a lot of them. But he has a real family now, no matter what the physical kin, separation, or closeness is. The real kinship is in Christ. As I said there in verse 15 of Philemon, it says, For perhaps for he was for this reason separated you for a little while that you might have him back forever no longer a slave but more than a slave a beloved brother especially to me and now much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord you guys have a physical relationship and now you also have a spiritual relationship the apostle Paul said our spiritual relationship is so deep he's like a son to me that I was able to beget in prison and so here we have a man now with a family, a man now with a belonging, a man who belongs to his master in the fullest sense, a man who belongs to the church that meets in that house on the Lord's day, a man who belongs to the Apostle Paul in spiritual relationship, a man connected to all the brethren, a man that forever since, what have all the Christians called him as they read this letter? Brother Onesimus. And so these are the blessings, not just that Onesimus found, but that we found we have a family that we've been made part of, that we by this same gospel have been reconciled to God and to one another. And we think about our beloved brother Paul, who lived two centuries before us, but we still call him brother. I remember the time there was a new convert and during a Bible study 
the light came on and they said, oh, I just realized what y'all are talking about. He said, y'all keep talking about Paul and Peter in such a way as I thought you were talking about people that you knew. But you're talking about the book. But when you talk about Peter and Paul in such a way is that they're still with us and they're in the room with us. And they thought we were talking about our, some, some, some other brother who just happened to not be present at the Bible study. And we were thinking about what that wise person said. Well, yes, we are. But they wrote it down for all of us because they are our family. And Onesimus is still our family. We're, we're all part of the same universal church and the spirits have just been made perfect. But we're also part of a living and active family now. And so we're in our family. It's not a church that meets in my house or your house. We've got a little common house for all of us to get together. But we're in a family with a purpose, debt-free, not headed to punishment, with the legal status of justified. And so Onesimus found all that, returning back to his master. And we think about what his master could have done to him. But his master was sure, graciously would choose not to, sharing the blessing which he's asked to share. And so we think about, and we have, I think, one more, a seventh and final lesson. The obligations that this would impose upon Onesimus. When he got to this house, how should he conduct himself? And when we come, we come to this house, as a family, our debts paid off, declared justified, with no condemnation, with a purpose going forward, then how should we conduct ourselves? Lord willing, that'll be our last and our final study in regarding the book of Philemon. But just think today, just think today of the blessings he received through the gospel. And think about what we have all likewise fully received by that same blessed message and the living hope that's in Jesus Christ. With that, we close. Ask this morning, if you need to come to the invitation, need to respond as one today already has, need to receive the blessings that are available only fully and through Christ. All these and many more things. If you need to come confessing his name and be baptized, come confessing sin to return, we offer the invitation to stand. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.